0: Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about finding your unique style as a chef. Stay tuned. So before we get into it, quick update on something that I'm working on. I'm doing a super secret pop-up, Chef in Residence, I'll share more on my Instagram profile, but coming out of a quick retirement to have some fun in the kitchen, I'm excited. have to make sure I could still walk that talk. Someone said to me, he said, you talk a lot of shit on the internet and on your podcast. Can you still do it? Well, we're, we're about to find out if I still got it. So I'm taking over a restaurant really briefly, chef in residence. I did it because I want to have a little fun. I do miss the kitchen at times. And this allows me to kind of you know, see, see if I could still do it, see if I could still hang with the uh, the top dogs in the city. More to come on that. I don't want to give away all the details, but I will be announcing more soon on Chuck's PSA's social site. So keep your eyes peeled, I'll tell you more. Maybe even for those of you that are looking for work, you might want to come work with me. It'll be short, but we'll have some fun. For those of you that are asking, yes, I, I do enjoy doing these things, like I do, Uh, guest chef spots occasionally. I did one in Dallas and Jose. I still do food festivals when it makes sense, right? I'm not representing a kitchen. I'm retired. I'm representing Chef's PSA podcast. So sometimes it doesn't make sense for me to be out there cooking. But for those of you that have reached out and said, I'd love to do a pop-up with you. Would I be interested? Yeah, I'd be interested. But you know, the fact of the matter is, I don't have an army behind me like I used to. Chef's PSA is a one-man show. It's just me. Someone asked me, who makes the comics? I do. Who writes the captions? Me. Who edits the books? Me. Who edits the podcast and the video and the audio and writes the scripts? Guess who? Oh yeah, it's all me. But in my quest for world domination, I think eventually I'm going to have to expand. I have a couple of surprises coming up on the podcast. Some collabs. I can't share all the details, but I think you'll all be happy. A lot of people ask me to talk on service. A lot of people ask me to talk on pastry projects and those episodes are coming soon for those of you that have been asked. Now, with regards to the subject matter, finding your unique style as a chef. When I was a chef, one of the things that used to frustrate me would be when I hire someone who has zero experience in the kitchen and maybe I was hiring them for something high-end, right? I've always been a chef of the higher-end kitchens. And I've always had a great team of chefs behind me, extremely talented sous chefs, extremely talented chef de cuisines, exec sous, and so on. And when I run a kitchen, I expect greatness, excellence. And we're always pushing to be at the top of the food chain in whatever market that we're in. And at times I would get frustrated because the new cook would come in and not even fully understand their own skill set yet, like still trembling, holding a knife, can't really dice an onion too well, You're green. And then say things like, when can I get my food on the menu? And I'd be like, what's your food? And then they'd proceed to tell me. And it has nothing to do with the type of restaurant that I was running. So, for example, if I was running like a high-end, live-fire concept restaurant, they'd want to tell me about their famous enchilada casserole. Or whatever, right? They said, well, you know, I just came back from the Caribbean. And I was like, this isn't a Caribbean restaurant. But well, my family's from here. We, I want to do that food. It's like. Great, but that's not this restaurant. It would blow my mind how many people want to do their food, their food. They don't even have food. Like, they haven't even gotten to the point where they could create something that would be on the level of the restaurant where they maybe work. Right. Because maybe they're, they're working as a prep cook and they're like, when can I get my dish on the menu? Like, focus on the onion. You got to learn how to dice those first, right? You got to walk before you can run. These steps. And then occasionally I'd say, okay, let me see what you got. And they put up like this terrible dip. They're like, oh, fuck. That's not going on the menu. No way. I'm, I'm, I'm being a, a, I'm being rude, but, uh, the reason I share this. So there's that. So my advice, if you're going into a new kitchen, you kind of got to feel it out a little bit. Is that kitchen the type of place where it's collaborative? Everyone's inputting ideas. And there's a lot of kitchens like that. And I, I have kitchens like that where I would encourage people we'd have. A certain day of the week where everyone was intended to be putting dishes forward. A lot of times they'd be coached by some of the sous chefs, but we'd look at all the ideas and say, okay, this is actually a really cool component, but it didn't mean that the dishes were getting on the menu. It was just an opportunity to express it. every now and again. Someone like, whoa, wasn't expecting that that dish needs to go on the menu. Other places they meet at the end of every night, they review the menus. They talk about what they're going to serve the next day and everyone putting an in input and the final result of the menu is like this amalgamation of ideas from all those that were in their input. Other places, they might have a whiteboard where they write ideas down. Other places, they might have a special and different cooks are putting up ideas for the special, or maybe they're creating the special for the day that have a rotation. Whatever the case may be, not all kitchens are like that. And there isn't a one size fits all for every kitchen. Some kitchens, You may never get a dish on the menu, type A personality chef, nothing but my food. And other places, it's collaboration. But the billion-dollar question, what is your food, chef? I've run into this problem. When I was coming up as a cook early on in my career, I've talked about this before, my idols were the Charlie Trotters of the world, the Thomas Kellers, the Ferran Adrias. I was coming up in the late 90s, early 2000s as a cook and chef. And so those were the chefs that were at the top of the food chain. And so I wasn't the only one. Every single chef during that time that wanted to make a name for themselves were all cooking like Charlie Trotter or Ferran Adria or Thomas Keller or whoever was at that moment, right? Maybe it was Emeril Lagasse or Norman Van Aken. A little bit earlier would have been Mark Miller and Dean Faring and Stephen Piles. But you had all these chefs that were expressing the ideas of others. And so a lot of times when they'd say, I want to do my food, you know, I, I was guilty of this, too. I remember telling my chef, I want to do my food. And he's like, present me a dish. And I did a dish right out of the Charlie Trotter cookbook. It was a potato tureen. I don't remember what else was in it. It was definitely a potato tureen that I had made, and I served it with a curry oil. I'll have to go back and look and see what that dish actually was. I do you remember the curry oil? I remember talking to my chef and him saying, why is there curry oil on this? And I said, well, Charlie Trotter does. And like, you ain't Charlie Trotter. So what was my food? Was it really my food? Or did I just want to serve food that I wanted to cop, Food that I was inspired. Food that I was looking at different cookbooks and say, that's my food. It's not, I want to cook like Charlie Trotter, so I'm adopting that as mine. Or whoever the chef inspiration was. I want to cook like Gordon Ramsay or whoever. Grant Atkins or Ferran Audria. Today, you might be wanting to cook like... Rene Redzepi or the Roca brothers or whoever, right? So what is your food? Is your food what you grew up with? Is it the food that was in your household? Is it what your mom used to cook for you or your grandmother or your parents? Is it what the neighbor's parents used to cook for you? Is it walking up to the little shack on the beach and eating the food right there? Was it going to the farmer's market and coming back with something? What is your food? A lot of chefs face this identity crisis because they don't know what their food is. You could work for years under a certain chef, and you can't wait to get out of their shadow. So You could express yourself on a plate to do your food. And then when the opportunity presents itself, you just end up cooking like the chef you worked for with a slight tweak on it. It's still what you were taught. It's a version of what you were already shown. If you remember the movie Coming to America, the first one with Eddie Murphy, like, they're McDonald's. We're McDowell's. They had like their version of the Big Mac or the quarterback. I don't know what it was, but it was funny. Like the exact same thing, just slightly different. And a lot of times that's what happens is you work in a restaurant for so long and you've gotten really good at preparing a certain style of someone else's vision. And now you have your chance at that. What do you do? Do you replicate that vision or do you truly have a unique style? I don't know. I can tell you in most of my experience when I've worked with chefs, and they come with these ideas. It's normally ideas that they had from the previous restaurant where they were. This chef's PSA that I say, no matter how well you do something, another chef thinks you're wrong. And the reason I say that is because when you're coming up in your career, you're shown something, whether maybe it's in culinary school and then you get out into the real world, or maybe it's one of your first jobs and it's a chef that you really liked. And they said, all stock needs to have ox oxtail in it to give it flavor. I don't know, maybe it's something like that. I know my chef said that to me. And so to this day, sometimes I put oxtail in my veal stock or in my beef stock. I worked for another chef. All stock for chicken has to be made with whole chickens. And it's shorter because it keeps it clear. And I used to do that. I don't do it anymore. Or other people would say, don't put too much celery in the stock. And other chefs I've worked for would say, you need to make sure that you're putting pig's feet and chicken wings and necks. There's more collagen in the pig's feet. So you got to put that in there. You got to skim the stock a certain way. You got to brush it with whatever, whatever the case may be. Every chef has a little something that they do. Grind the bolognese, mirepoix through the meat grinder. Others are like, no, no, you got to brunoise by hand. No, just put it in the coupe. It's best if you do this. What's the right way? I don't know. There, there really is no right way. Because someone could argue against it, no matter how well you do something, someone else can argue against it, that their way is better. Because the end result is subjective, especially when the person is emotionally tied to the product. So coming up in my career, I cooked in a lot of Italian restaurants, I cooked in a lot of European style restaurants, French, et cetera, Mediterranean, Southwest cuisine also at one point in time was coming up in that Southwest cuisine style, Ever wanted to cook like Mark Miller and Dean Ferry. And when I finally got my opportunity at bat and they said, you could finally express yourself and do whatever you want. And now I'm the executive chef and I'm at the helm of the kitchen. What did I do? When I finally was able to do my own food, I copied Ferran. I started doing bubble food, right? So this was like 2005 because that's what I wanted to do. Was it my food? Did I work at El Bulli? No, but I was fascinated from afar and I had the El Bulli cookbooks. And I was watching what they were doing and I was idolizing that style of cuisine. And I wanted to understand the alginates and spherifications and how to make mangoes into a bubble, right? And froth up sauces with lecithin or whatever the case may be. Make a spaghetti noodle out of agar. It was fun, right? But it wasn't my food. And so little by little, I've had to start to rediscover, am I? as a chef, what is my style? Is it this or is it that? And sometimes you get hired as a chef and you take on the identity of the restaurant that you're hired in. So an example would be you get hired in a Mediterranean restaurant. You can't say, well, I do Chinese food, right? That's just not going to work. Well, then you're not going to be the chef here. So sometimes you adapt to the restaurant and to the environment in which you're placed in. And other times you run a restaurant where you have creative control and not only are you driving the brand you're also driving the identity of the food and the creativity of chefs struggle with this i know i struggle with you're always influenced by the current trend you're influenced by social media you're influenced by what's on tv where do your ideas come from do you just fall asleep and then these ideas pop in your brain do they come from external sources the reality is almost all your ideas are regurgitated from external sources, books. Social media, your training, your parents, your experiences. Coming up with original ideas is extremely difficult. You could look at very original chefs, like I said, Ferran Adria. He revolutionized the world when he came out with the food that he was doing at Obuli, the molecular gastronomy movement, changed the world. And I don't know if he copied that. And if he did, I don't know who he copied it from because it's not easy to trace To say, oh, he clearly got it from here. Or you look at what Rene Rizepi was doing. He went through the whole foraging thing in the Nordic, the new Nordic. Where did he get that from? I'm sure historically people have always been cooking like that. But professionally, people weren't cooking like that on that level. So he redeveloped that. Thomas Keller being what he did in Napa Valley at the French Laundry. No one was doing that beforehand. Charlie Trotter, the same thing. So some of these greats, the Mount Rushmore of chefs, right? They march to the beat of their own drum. They create their own unique style. And they create and everyone borrows and copies or gets inspired by it. I'm no exception to that. I borrowed from all of them and then claimed it to be my own style. What's the what's the expression? It takes a thief to catch a thief. Have you ever heard that? People have to know how to steal before they can catch someone who is also stealing. right? We're all getting inspired by social media. It's, it's, it's really easy to police it now, right? go back and say, Hey, that's the dish that so-and-so was serving. And so after all this time, I would say I was looking at dishes that I was cooking. So I'm working on this, this menu. I talked about it a little bit earlier in the podcast and I'm creating this menu and it's basically the greatest hits of my career, just modernized for 2023 in the environment that I'm in. And as I'm going back and looking at dishes throughout my career, I'm like, wow, this looks really bad. I would not, sur- I would not plate it this way. Even stuff that was just five years ago or four years ago and was very cutting edge at the moment, I look at it now and say it looks so dated. It was delicious, but it looked dated. Plating styles evolve, ingredient trends evolve very quickly. I would challenge you if you've been around long enough. So you know, I know, I know a lot of people. Maybe you're right in culinary school, so this might not apply to you. Go back and look at the food that you were making that you were extremely happy and proud with just a few years ago and look at it today and see if you're still proud of it. And I don't mean like maybe it tasted, but just I'm talking about the plating and the aesthetics of it, the style, right? So food is like fashion. It's always moving forward. I think it'd be really interesting to do with chefs to say post what you did 10 years ago or five years ago, post what you're doing today and do side by side. My food five years ago, my food today. I think that would be fun. So you could see how far you've come. So you could see the techniques that you've learned. You can document your history. You could document what you've learned throughout your career. Much easier, right? Keep good notes. Get the Evernote app. Log everything. Take great photos of your food. Make notes and save them for later because you're able to document your career progression. And so what does that boil down to, right? When I came up, as I said, I was working in French and Italian restaurants. Mediterranean style. And so now my food is this amalgamation of the things that I learned early on, on my specific stations that I made. I noticed that's what I like cooking now. That's my food. And is it my food? Kind of, right? That's what I was taught. It's the best and the things that I enjoyed most from what I was taught as a chef. And the things that I crave now is like a properly made lobster bisque. Tornado's Rossini. Gnocchi. it's not the complex things that i've made throughout my career anything the more complex and showy thing are the things i'm most embarrassed by now and the most simple and delicious things are the things i'm most proud of and i still carry with me the dichotomy of a shot what's your food i don't know you need to find that out anyway if you want to support the show you know what to do make sure you leave five stars if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you leave a thumbs up. Go to chefspsa.com. You can get all the books, all the merch. Go get the free ebooks. We'll see you next week. Hit the porno music.